by no one's demand, but our own and from our home office here in quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions, brought to you as always by Tennessee Tickets. TennesseeTickets.com, no hidden fees, unlike those other guys. Buck Rising, happy to be back here with you with a jam-packed, loaded show full of many 615 relevant conversations. We have a lot of different stuff going on today, so I'm just going to lay it out to you as easily as I can. The group discussion. We figured out how to how to weaponize Skype for the purposes of the podcast, and so we will have a morning drive reunion with Braden Gull, Nick Kale, and former Titans wide receiver Derek Mason alongside myself. We have a lot of different things to discuss, including how they ended up fired from their morning radio jobs. We'll talk about that today over the course of the roundtable. Josh Griffin, the manager of Tin Roof on Demumbrian, a friend of mine, and somebody whose business, who put it puts a face to the struggles of local businesses here. They are in no way involved financially with A to Z Sports or the 615 Sessions podcast. Frankly, just a bar that I love very much and a person who I have seen struggle very much with the idea that he's got to figure out a way to get his staff paid when there are no services for them to provide. So Josh Griffin will jo- join the show. Coming up, Dennis Kelly and Kari Blossingame, a couple of Titans players, the right tackle and fullback, respectively, for your Tennessee Titans. They will be on the show. A very long conversation with Dennis about, fortunately for Dennis and his family, getting the contract done for him, an extension three years here in Tennessee before all of the COVID-19 stuff really, really went wild. And then on the other side of disaster, Kari Blossingame, who has a little experience with tornadoes of his own and was one of the people, one of the players whom I greatly appreciate coming out to my neighborhood in North Nashville and assisting me as lo- alongside many of their teammates and staff, great people with the Titans and many of our friends across the city coming together and helping to provide relief and aid to a part of town that is oftentimes forgotten. All of those things ahead on today's 615 Sessions podcast. Just motley crew of individuals that we have in front of us. It is the 615 Sessions podcast brought to you as always by Tennessee Tickets, TennesseeTickets.com. No hidden fees, unlike all those other guys. And in fact, we have the other guys in front of us. It is Braden Gull, Nick Kale, and Derek Mason, my compatriots, my former co-workers. Now all of us find ourselves on the internet. You all three look like shit. And it makes me very, very happy to see you and to be able to cuss at you on an open platform. This is delightful. Hello, boys. Hey, Bucky. We get to cuss? Hey, you still look ugly. You're still ugly. <laughs> yes. I took, a, I took a shower and shave just to do this for you guys. This is the most adult conversation I've had in weeks. It's great. 
no, I haven't put pants on in the better part of I think I'm going on day 20 at this point since sports was canceled. Uh, and so now this is as dressed up in my home as I have to be. Intern Reed is also here. He will explain, have us all explain some tweets later on in the show. But I figured since none of us are doing much of anything right now, uh, we would get the band back together and just uh, and talk a little trash. How? Let's start with Nick because I know Nick has to be um, just particularly miserable quarantined. Uh, how much Tito's have you consumed? You appear to be sweating it through your pores. You appear to be unshaven. Yes. You appear to smell like vodka. How are you? I'm a little hungover right now, but I can't Good. really. You know, as a responsible adult, you really can't leave your house and go out and pick up more booze. So I'm just going to ride it out with you, buddy. By the way, you look like you're doing – Are you, you got this look going right now. Are you like in an ISIS hostage video right now? What, what is going on here? <laughs> this is uh, not only because of my heritage that the ISIS jokes are particularly unfunny. Well done by you. But, uh, yes, this is where the A and Z in A to Z sports keep me locked up. I stay in this very small – uh, very, uh, at this point, it it's actually smells surprisingly good for as long as I've been in this closet in my home doing all of these streaming activities. But yeah, no, the, the hostage situation works just fine. Speaking of hostages, now with two children at home, Braden Gall, uh, welcome to the 615 Sessions podcast with all of you. You started the call with your background blur. Derek has not yet fixed the blurring of the background nor do I expect him to do so by the end of this call. Uh, what does your shirt say, seeing as we are in the middle of an election cycle? Uh, yeah, call, call, call Congress, uh, just for whatever reason, actually. I don't really care what you say to them. Just call them and say something. Um, yeah, Boomer, Boomer, if you feel like uh, turning the blur off there, Boomer, you could do that anytime you want, D. Um, and if you had the over-under on under two minutes on a ISIS Nick Kale joke, you won the bet. <laughs> Derek, I'm... I'm very happy. Yeah, Nick's got nothing to gambling on, so now it's just the incompetence of us throughout the course of the podcast. Derek, uh, I hope that you have been spending more time with people that are not your two dogs, because I fear for your well-being and your mental health at this point. Well, Y'all know I don't like people anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I love people. Um, and, um, and immediately, by the way, as Derek is trying to do those things, you don't think that we noticed the screenshot that you just took. No, I, I didn't. No, no, no. I didn't mean to do it. I'm trying to figure this out. I was trying to get blur. Y'all said it was blurred, so I'm looking at all this stuff trying to figure it out. But believe me. I believe it's Apple comma into your settings there, Boomer. <laughs> uh, when I get off this, I will erase that picture. You think I want to see you three ugly mugs? Not you, but you three ugly mugs. One, which is Brayden. Two, to my left, bottom left, which is um, Deep Voice Guy. That's what I'm going to call you, Deep Voice Guy. And then on my bottom right, um, Liger Woods instead of Tiger, Liger Woods. <laughs> Liger, like the Tiger King. He's like the Tiger King. He's breeding them in, uh, in, his, uh, in his backyard uh, mini putt-putt thing that I'm sure he's established while he's been hammered off Tito's. I erase the picture but i'm trying to is it still blurred guys i don't know it doesn't matter i don't care at this point we're live we're rolling it's good to see everybody how does this feel to be on the opposite end of this dynamic because before and we'll get to morning drive the breakup of what was uh nashville's best sports band at this point we will talk about actual sports takes because i know all three of you except probably derek 
um, because Derek is above <laughs> all of this at this point, is just stewing to give sports opinion. Uh, and this is a weird dynamic for me to be driving this clown car and for you all to be the interview oh, subjects. It's, 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 not that, it's not that easy, is it, Buck? No, this is very easy because now oh. Braden is – Braden's very self-conscious because he's scared he's going to talk over people because of the delay on Skype. And so now this is a very easy thing for me to navigate because he's behaving himself. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Victory sip. Right when I need you to talk, you're oh, useless. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to say something? Okay. <laughs> I've been screaming Mariota takes in my three-year-old, and she doesn't understand what I'm doing. So I just stopped after like 14 days of that. I realized it wasn't getting me anywhere. So I just stopped and, and said, you know what? Let's watch Frozen 2 every single day for the next four and a half months until hopefully football shows up. I, I respect all of those things. And God know what Derek, uh, Derek's been doing um, with as much free time as all of us have had. No, but seriously, D-Mace, what, what in sports has caught, your, has caught your eye, I guess? Because this is a weird time for all of us as we try to do serious sports talk before we totally wreck this thing into the ground. Has there been anything since you left morning radio that you've particularly cared about in sports? Is there any, has there been any one thing, maybe the Jarrell Casey trade, which we'll touch on here briefly, has there been any one thing that's kind of captivated you? That's really been, I, I say two things. One, the Jarrell Casey, which I wasn't surprised. Um, uh, I think they personally, he and um, Delaney Walker, I think they personally were trying to shop them earlier in the season. But I think Delaney, um, because of his injury, that kind of curtailed a lot of that. Um, and then Jarrell, I just thought that even though he's 30 years old, um, his play started to decline some. Now, he'll go to someone else and his, his team he's at now, and he will still be a very good player. But his play started to decline somewhat. Hence, they, you know, drafted um, Simmons in the first round. That caught my eye. But I knew eventually, you know, being in this game for a long time, eventually the veteran guys um, end up, they are the first ones out the door, uh, regardless if they're playing good or not. It's, it's how old are you and how much money are you making? Do it just, would it would it be feasible for us to keep you at that price? Probably not. We can get somebody younger that can, you know, do your job. Probably not as good as you, but close to it. And we don't have to pay him as much. What really sort of irked me was the Tom Brady talk. Tom was never, and I repeat, never oh, ever come to Nashville. Ever. You guys haven't got to talk about Tom Brady. Yeah, oh, we, uh, we almost made it too, Nick. Nick, we almost, almost made it. it. You just missed it by three months. That, uh, that Tom was never coming here. He was never coming to Nashville. That would have been that would have been the worst move that the Tennessee Titans had ever made. Allowing Ryan to leave to bring in a 43-year-old quarterback that maybe at best is going to give you a year, maybe two if that. But he was never going to put you in a position where you were going to be competing for a Super Bowl. Because you got to remember, Peyton was able to do it. Peyton was 30, what, six years old. Peyton was allowed to bring his offense with him. If you want Tom to come to uh, Nashville, does Tom bring that offense with him? And if he does, how long will it take for those other guys to just throw away what they've learned for the last two or three years and to learn a whole new offense? It wasn't going to work. 
and people just kept screaming, we want Tom. No. I Keep want Tom. I give Tom. me Tom. Why no. wouldn't I want Tom? No, you don't want Tom because you're you're out the game. You don't have to spew opinions anymore. Why the <laughs> hell wouldn't we want Tom? Inject it right into the side of my neck, the Tom Brady talk, because it carried before coronavirus killed sports, essentially. It's the only thing that has kept us afloat. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Dennis Kelly, Titans Tackle, is on the line. I have I've been wanting to talk to Dennis for a while. It's been too long since I've bothered him in the offensive line's corner of the locker room. But first and foremost, and honestly, this is an indictment of the way that I do my job, Dennis, because I bring up your media guide uh, Titans profile. And among mm-hmm. the first things that I read is in May 2019, Kelly received oh. his MBA from the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University. Dennis Kelly, you are a damn fraud. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. No, no, what do you mean, unfortunately? <laughs> this is such crap that this is a lie that you've been living, Dennis. Well... To be fair, when it was initially brought up, uh, so it's a program through the NFLPA um, to kind of help guys, again, continue life after football. And I was in Philadelphia at the time, and they were going through the presentation and talking about it. I was like, yeah, this seems like a really good idea. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it's too stressful. And then they get to like the – and if you're interested, reach out to yada, yada, yada from Kelly School at IU. And I literally was like, Oh no! Mm-hmm. Like I contemplated not doing it because of it, but uh, you can't knock that it. it is a good school. So I'll give you that. Uh, well, I respect I respect the level of pettiness that it would have even taken to reevaluate your decision to get your MBA <laughs> just because it was at Indiana University. Dennis, if you don't know, played at Purdue. Obviously, it's a feud among the the offensive linemen in the locker room. Many of them from Big Ten schools, and Dennis uh, refuses to accept the fact that Purdue is the inferior school and admits as such on his resume by getting his MBA from Kelly School. So I'm very happy about all of this, Dennis. This is a great way to start this interview. I'm actually surprised that you, you just found this out now. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm kind of hoping that the PR staff for you guys isn't listening because this would just be, you know, oh, this this asshole is not reading the media guides. This is like one of the first thing that we've put on uh, Dennis Kelly's bio. So this is on it. This is more in, in exposing you, Dennis. I have exposed myself. So now everybody wins. That's fair. Good win. <laughs> so what what's what's going on? You you've obviously you've signed a contract. Congratulations again. Mm-hmm. I know. We talked to you Thank on the you. conference Thank call. You. Of course, I'm very, very happy to have you back uh, for for no for no other reason but conversationally, Dennis. Uh, and well, I, that. I going through this whole thing, we are in the era of quarantines and the Rona overtaking everything that we do. How damn glad are you that you got your deal done before all of this kind of broke loose? Oh, I know. We were talking about it um, actually last night about. You know, this whole 
this whole off series, off season period for my family has just been a, a series of waiting and unknowns of what's going to happen with a combination of free agency. And then there was the CBA talks, what was going on there, uh, and having to like prepare for potential work stoppage. And then obviously a global pandemic wasn't on the radar when we, you know, uh, looked into our future in, after the season. So um, being able to get that contract and, and knowing that I have that figured out has definitely been at least somewhat of a sigh of relief to kind of calm the nerves of all this uncertainty going around. I mean, I, I didn't even consider that. You picked quite possibly the most hectic time to get a contract yeah. extension. In the middle of a CBA, you guys already, with, with Jack and, and obviously Jack moving on to the Cleveland Browns, there's already another right tackle who's in line for uh, for mm-hmm. a payday. That's got to make life a little more uneasy. Then you get the deal done, and then all hell, all hell breaks loose globally with the coronavirus mm-hmm. and everything that's happened. Man, I... Uh, I was just thinking about that the other day because Dennis, I it it did not seem it's it's so silly to to think of one person saying the thing that helps put the rest of it in perspective, especially when that person at this point is not a medical professional. But when Kirk yeah. Herb Street gets on television the other day and talks about being shocked if there would be a football season, Dennis, I don't know right. what you I don't know what the hell you and I are going to do. <laughs> Well, that, that has definitely been uh, a key topic of our conversations every day with all the new updates. Um, it's just, are, are we playing football this year? Are we, you know, if, if we're in a delay, you know, what point do we usually, when would we get international? Like, are we going to, if the season is supposed to start, hopefully tentatively in, in October, so to speak, do we get down there just in case they – they say maybe you got to push it back farther. You got to be right. Like there's just the fact that like, and it's so far away, but it's still the aspect of like, well, you know, they, they postponed the Olympics, which is starts what two weeks or so right before training camps start. So obviously it's a little bit different because that's bringing the entire world together, but it just continues to, you know, essentially like bleed farther and farther into the yearly schedule. So it's, it's definitely kind of weird. Without question. So let's let's play this hypothetical game. Dennis Kelly here with us on the 615 Sessions. You can follow him on Instagram and on Twitter at Dennis Kelly 67 He's a fun follow. Uh, let's play out the hypothetical here now. You come out for your, st- your first start of the 2020 season. Things are progressing as previously scheduled. But there are no fans in Nissan Stadium if that's in fact where you guys open up. What the hell does that like? How do you even how do you even process that? I guess as a professional football player. Yeah, it's that aspect. I think would be kind of weird because I'm sure there are going to be some players that you know the show ponies who who love having the fans. Name names. It's okay. You can say Lawan. It's okay. You can say Taylor Lawan. This is a safe place, Dennis Kelly. I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but feeding off the positive energy from a home crowd or feeding off of the, you know, the booing and the negative energy from the away crowd, like there, that does, that is a sense of motivation. Um, and so if you're playing a game in just an empty stadium, I feel like it's, it would be, I mean, surreal, but at the same time, if 
if we're going to be playing a game in an empty stadium, at what point, like, what's that limit of, you know, the amount of people that can be around each other at one time? Because there's 22 players on the field at any point in time, plus the refs, plus the coaches. Like, there's at that point, like, are we going to be like, you can only have 150 people together at one point. Yeah. So even if we, you know, something like, basketball so to speak because i know that was brought up before they started canceling everything was just to play in empty gyms there's just less people there so it's easier for them to do that yeah the side honestly the sideline because you think you think about teams as a whole in 63 when you talk about practice squad and Mm -hmm. guys that don't dress and all of the people that because nfl teams bring a full a full staff alongside of the uh, alongside of the roster and the coaches, all of these people on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You're you're right. That flies directly in the face of this social distancing thing that that we continue to try and figure out exactly what the hell the guidelines are. Because <laughs> you and I were yeah. talking, Dennis, before before we started rolling on this, and just the the amount of changes over the course of even a single day. It's pretty disorienting mm-hmm. for for what just to try and find some kind of normalcy to try and find find some kind of schedule. Has there been a moment over the course of this? We're going on a little over two weeks at this point. Has there been a moment where you're just kind of like, oh, this is hugely surreal? I know there's been a, probably a lot of moments like that, but one in particular that's kind of struck you as, wow, this is kind of what the new normal is going to look like, and. Uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, I think part of it is because uh, I'm up in Indianapolis area right now for the off season, and our neighborhood, you know, we're kind of in that. You know, I, I'm forgetting that we're on the back end of April or sorry March, and that like spring is technically kind of starting because yeah. everyone is you know told yeah. to stay home and don't don't venture out. But the weather's you know getting nicer, and people are trying to take advantage of it and walk, but there's a just space everywhere between everyone where normally there people would stop and talk and, and, you know, just kind of chit chat and then kids would start playing. And, but it's just, everyone is just seems so distant and obviously for, that's why it's called social distancing, but it's just kind of like people, like if you see someone like walking in your direction, you start like, you better stop, you better turn. Like, what are you doing? You're going to break the rules. And, I think that is kind of one of those things where it kind of hit me. It's like, this might be this way for a while. Yeah. People just have to go on. No, I was just going to say, have you, have you experienced something like I got personally offended because some, I went, I went walking and jogging the other day to the Capitol steps at Nashville, which by the way, were just a disease infested disaster because everybody who was at the bars on St. Patty's day weekend and is covered in Lululemon is crawling all over the stairs. There's no safe space. (laughs) for any of us at this point. Uh, but I had yeah. people on my jog over there like swerve because I was probably within the six to 10 feet bubble that we're all right. supposed to keep from ourselves. And I like, I felt myself, my, my face, Dennis, I just felt myself, my, my just kind of being agitated by the fact that people are thinking that I'm a, I'm a carrier. I'm a disease. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah this guy looks like a carrier. It's yeah. <laughs> profiling. Strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing personally for me. I think that the hardest thing that's kind of been bad is that um, like my daughters are starting to play outside and they see all the other kids playing 
and they're like, well, I want to go play with my friend's house and trying to explain to them that like, while you're not sick and she's not sick, we have to, you know, protect the world and try and break it down and trying to explain it to them so that they can understand and not be so upset that their friends, you know, a hundred feet away from each other, but they can't play with each other. Right. Yeah. That's, that's something that all of the, I mean, it's just learning how learning kind of relearning how to live on a day to day basis mm-hmm. for all of us. I drove my car for the first time a couple of days ago for the first time in five days. That's not, that just yeah. felt like a very, bizarre experience and all of it is just mm-hmm. uh, just disorienting uh, one of the things though that that I am interested in as a as somebody who consumes sports because right now I honestly I deserve a medal for having to talk about sports every day without there being any actual sports <laughs> like this is this is truly a burden greater than anything mm-hmm. uh, that could previ- previously exist but wrestling is going to uh, survive yeah. and thrive, it would seem. WrestleMania 36 is going to roll on on uh, in, mm-hmm. in the first week of April. They've been replaying wrestling matches on ESPN. It's been the only source of sports entertainment right. that any of us have really had. What do you think WrestleMania is going to look like? Because you're a wrestling guy, not just the, the Undertaker jokes about the, the similarities yeah. between the two of you. You're an actual wrestling fan. What the hell is WrestleMania going to look like in all of this? Yeah, so they they um, split it up into two nights because normally WrestleMania is like eight or nine hours nowadays. So, um, well, they broke it up into two nights. They're doing it in their own little facility, um, and I heard that they've they either already recorded it or are going to record it because Florida is starting to finally put in some limitations of what you can do socially, um, but. I mean, you have a handful of people, like one of their big guys, Roman Reigns, backed out of it because he's had to fight leukemia twice, and so he's um, compromised immunity. So, like, that was one of their main events that he is, he announced, like, Friday that he's not doing it anymore. And, you know, I heard initially that they were talking about maybe moving it back to June. Um, but besides the whole, you know, pandemic and sickness aspect of it you have this you know wrestlemania is supposed to be this this tipping point for all of your storylines your year-long storylines you've been building up and you're closing in you're two weeks out and then they're like oh hold on we got to build this story back up for another three months until everyone can go to the to the big stadium and watch it i was like that just that would not work so and you hear all the stories about vince mcmahon about always having to win and all and all those things but um, yeah, I joke with my wife about how they have Raw and SmackDown still running, and it's, I mean, essentially, it's like one or two matches, uh, an interview, and then they'll play, like, they'll play the classics. They'll play a, gr- a great match from three years ago just to, one, fill the slot time, but also to keep the episodic series streak that they have going on. Because uh, both Raw and SmackDown are the two longest consecutively ran television shows in the history of television or something like that. 
I I'm I'm so intrigued because I'm not I've never been a, a wrestling a wrestling fan. It's not something that I've consumed on a regular basis. But now, just with the way that everything is shifting from a dynamic perspective, how 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 sports networks even are going to stay on the air with all of these debate shows? Like I'm watching First Take. I don't know how many more how many more lists of all time quarterbacks Stephen A. Smith has got in him. But this is yeah. this is at this point. I mean, we are all just kind of trying to figure out how to how to fill the void that all of this is leaving mm-hmm. and, and wrestling I mean there's somebody's going to take advantage of this opportunity and I thought for the longest time that it was going to be the NFL just kind of pushing forward with the draft and trying to keep the league year yeah. as normal as possible because that's you know football is going to do football things but Vince McMahon right. is uh, Vince McMahon's kind of the hamster out there uh, or the, the the guinea pig for all of this mm-hmm and I, uh, yeah, that, I just don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting for sure, just because of, like you said, there's there's nothing else going on. So are they going to get more eyes on the product now? Because it's at least something to watch. Then um, you know, even like you know, casual fans usually watch WrestleMania, but people that are like, hey, so you know, we're going in on a WrestleMania, we'll Skype, we'll you know, whatever, we'll you want to get in on it. It's like, Sure, I got nothing else to do. I'm already watched every single season there is on Netflix at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just it, it's going to be weird because I mean, you, Vince is always going to try and you know make an extra buck or you know kind of gain a leverage point, so to speak. Uh, that's how these guys get ahead. Speaking of Netflix, uh, pro or anti Tiger King? In what way? I mean, in every way, if you would like to die. Like, I mean, I, I, maybe this is a longer I podcast, Dennis. Maybe we maybe we break down Tiger King in its, in a, in its entirety some other day. But I, <laughs> I did not realize that you were going to plumb the depths of Tiger King for me just a, asking you a yes or no question. Well, I mean, the same – the show, I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought you were like, am I on the Tiger King side or not? No, um, nobody's on the Tiger King side. This is the only show in the history of in the history of uh, entertainment <laughs> that there's not a single likable character. Yeah, I know. It's it's wild. It's just you know we with uh, with my daughters, it's kind of hard to watch anything like that, especially right. But anything really adult like during the day, just because they're always around, and so like we binged it in the you know the two nights last you know, Friday, Saturday, whatever it was, and we're just cracking up at just some of the, the shit that was going on. And it was like, this is real. And we're trying to figure out, like, why did they bring in, you know, uh, the Myrtle Beach guy, Doc? Like, what was his role in everything? And then obviously getting deeper and deeper, and we realized that he was more just give up, give context of just how wild that world is. I, you know, I, I hate how much I enjoyed it. I guess it's it's so yeah. it's so grimy and it's so wrong for anybody who cares about you know the interests and the well-being of animals, but also just to kind of shine a light on some of the some of the weirder human beings out there. Like Doc Antle was, you're right, he's more of an ancillary piece and he's got a part to play in the larger storyline of things. But honestly, it's just mm-hmm. a, another example of one of these uh, weirdos who exists in this. world of entirely their own making where his first name literally means lord of 
and he's lording over all of these scantily clad women in tiger print outfits. It's wild. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good reminder to to remind you that there are some very different people in this world. And, you know, what is considered popular and considered this is the way it's done, it's like, yeah, that's not always the case because there are some different people that feel that they should have over 200 large cats on the property. You know, I mean, if you're going to live, live dangerously, I guess that would be That's fair. one way to go about it. Uh, but Dennis, I have I have kept you entirely too long, even though I guess there's really nothing else to do other than be a family <laughs> man uh, for the, the growing Kelly clan. Congratulations on all of, uh, you, all of the good things that have been going on for the Kelly family here lately. And it's, uh, it's good to catch up, buddy. And uh, I, I assume I'll see you at some point. I have honestly no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we hopefully sooner than later. But it might be, hell, it might be half a year from what they're saying. So I, I never thought I'd miss dead puppies so much. <laughs> Dennis Kelly, uh, Titans Tackle, at Dennis Kelly 67 on the socials is where you can follow him. Uh, the right tackle for the Tennessee Titans whenever the season does begin. We will see you uh, sooner rather than later, I hope, Dennis. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Buck. Really appreciate it. Kale, I can't even begin to imagine how impatient you have been with the ability to talk about quarterback changes and CBA and all of these useless things. The tournament, my God, the amount of bad jokes that you're rattling off on your Twitter handle at Nick Kale, at DMace85, and at Braden Gall is where you can follow the three slaps. Uh, how have you how have you stayed the course of the sports opinion? Because I have seen you just bubbling at the surface. You talking to me? Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, staying up to speed with everything on Twitter and giving opinions. But, I mean, I think the thing that I would have loved to have talked about was Vic Beasley. I don't know where you guys stand on this, but to me the thing was when the Titans brought him in, I thought, you know, a guy three years removed from really being an impact player, I guess beggars can't be choosers, but I don't know about you guys. I I just didn't think that was – the the home run move I was looking for, maybe a change of scenery, maybe, you know, Mike Vrabel getting the most out of a guy like Vic Beasley, factor in Simmons and Harold Landry. But I just look at it from the standpoint of, I felt like the Titans needed a pass rusher. I don't know if I would have went Vic Beasley's way. You guys know I love a good splash. Jadavia and Clowney would be the move for me. Braden, have you mustered up the ability to care about any of this nope. since you've been out nope. of sports talk? Nope. Don't care about any of this. Uh, not a single thing any one of you have just said I care about at all. Um, no, listen, I, look, Beasley's interesting. You see what you get. I'm with D on, on on Tom Brady. It's not the right move. You had to pay Tannehill. I don't, you know, I don't know about 91 million guaranteed over three years, which is really what the contract is if you actually understand contracts. But you got to write. You got to run it back, right? Right. That's what they're saying. Run it back. That's their. That's their phrase now. Run it, that's run it back. what their uh, that's what their social media handles but, say all over the place. And the only one not retweeting the run it back message is the one who got tagged. 
Yeah, well, right. And and yeah, and frankly, they're not as good without Jarrell Casey and Delaney Walker. Like they're just not as good of a football team. It doesn't mean it wasn't the right move. You you had to like like Derek said, you had to do something with Casey's contract, but he still was one of your better players last year. And if you if Logan Ryan doesn't come back, which doesn't seem like he's going to, you get on the list of guys that were had played like dozens of years in the NFL combined, and they're all gone. So they gotta they're talking about running it back, and I know the offense is totally intact, but uh, there's a long way to go. You don't just like wake up and roll into the Super Bowl like I think people thought two and a half, three years ago when they beat Kansas City, and they thought, oh, we're just gonna be in the playoffs every year, and you know, you got to take some steps. It's it's not a linear league. It, you got to go backwards and forwards and, and all kinds of stuff. So it, it'll be fun to watch, though, because they got they, they got a lot of money and they got a lot of needs. What what are we watching, though? I mean, honestly, and read yeah. if you'll yeah. read, read if you'll if you'll set the over under yeah. uh, at how long it takes at least one of the four of us to get some kind of petty, because now that we've moved through the obligatory sports talk. Now is the time for real conversation. Derek, what the hell do we do if Michigan State is playing in front uh, is it playing in front of an empty stadium with a new coach who is a fraud accused uh, of just taking the bag and leaving Colorado and running as soon as the first job opening? This is your new man. Happy for you. Happy for you so, so like and all every, your spark. So like every other home game in East Lansing, Well, at least we hadn't been in um, you know, at the bottom of the barrel the last what 10, 15 years. UT, <clears throat> but anyway, See, uh, I think 30 year. seconds, literally 30 seconds before one of us got petty. If you <laughs> took under 30 seconds, you are the winner. Nick Kale betting heavily on all of this. We're not, not going to be any different from any other university out there. If indeed this thing continues to this virus and this lockdown continues uh, for everyone, um, will the NFL start? Will college football start? I guess it depends on whether the government, you know, gets a little bit more laxed on um, individuals being able to move around. But I think even with that, if you're talking about starting a football season, 60 plus thousand, I'm just saying on average, you're talking NFL and college, 60 plus thousand people in one arena. I think people still would be hesitant to come into a, a stadium. I think you'll see maybe 30,000 people in a 60,000-seat stadium. Um, and for some universities, it might be even less. You're talking Vandy, it might be two or 3,000. Um, they get that anyway, right? Um, no. <laughs> just, just such an unnecessary shot. Just you, knew such a coming, side you knew it was coming. But it's, it's, it's going to be I no abstain t- from any and all Vanderbilt conversations. I'm a Vanderbilt employee. I enjoy their PA, uh, their press box PA. You're very, 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 very much. Candace Lee Story is a wonderful uh, athletic director. And I will not give any credit to Braden Gall, who got me that gig that now pays me a fair amount of money now that I've been doing it for some time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it will be. I think, I think people will adjust. Um, I think. Uh, players will be able to adjust. The thing about players, whether it's whether it's two thousand or a hundred thousand, when they get into the game and the juices start flowing and that adrenaline get going, you cut the crowd out regardless. You don't hear. You would be amazed how when you get zoned, you hear nobody. You hear nothing but the call from the quarterback and. The guy across from me, that's all you hear. You don't hear the fans. You don't hear anything else. And so I think once guys get into play, uh, if indeed this thing continues, it'll take them a minute to get used to it, but I think they will. 
Nick Kale is nothing if not a show pony. Uh, show ponies tend to perform better in front of crowds uh, to the detriment or to the uh, to the worse of the actual show pony who is performing. I wish only that we had the uh, the Mad Dog Russo cut-ups. Uh, Tom Brady, say something to anybody. Say something to somebody. Come on my ear and talk you, about you things. You love that. You love that. It makes me very happy. Kale, what will you do if football games are played without fans? Will it affect your interest in college football and the gambling that you will do on it? No, I don't think it's going to affect my interest. It's just going to get to the point where, I mean, you guys know I'm a big wrestling fan. So I've been watching wrestling for the last couple of weeks in empty arenas. And, dude, I'm telling you, it's so bizarre to see people performing, whether it's real sports or scripted entertainment, where there's no crowd reaction. So to me, I don't think it'll change my viewing habits. In fact, I'll probably be more intrigued initially. Uh, and I think anybody that sits there and says, I'm not going to watch because there's no crowds, is completely full of it. So I, it really won't change anything for me. I'm just hoping we have a football season. Let's let's just get through this. And if it means sitting in your house till June or July, if we get the football season, so be it. Legislatively, Braden, because the NBA had to be the leader on these things. The SEC tournament, some of the basketball tournaments were in play because a lot of times – this was this is the budget for schools like Iona and Mountain uh, Mountain West uh, Conference and all of these things play uh, teams that will not see the full benefit of a blue blood athletic department feed off the NCAA tournament because it's the NCAA's biggest revenue maker. When it comes to how leagues have managed all of this, be it the NBA, be it college basketball, the NHL, all of this. What have you kind of made of Adam Silver getting out there on the forefront and then all of the dominoes that fell in the aftermath? Yeah, I mean, it was it was super weird. First of all, it was Wednesday evening at the SEC tournament at Bridgestone, and that's when, like, the whole night unfolded, right? And then I had to go to a show that night and was on the air when Fred Hoiberg, the Nebraska head basketball coach, is basically looks like he's dying on the sidelines of a Big Ten tournament basketball game and he has to be taken to the ER, and we're on the air, like, live going, like, what, what, what is happening? At, you know, the Rudy Gobert thing had just happened with the Utah Jazz, and he's, like, touching everybody's microphones and being totally responsible. And, and so the whole day was just this giant shit show. And we get on the air, and we don't know what to talk about because I got employees at the arena saying, like, what does this mean for tomorrow? And I'm going, guys, it's all going to be canceled. It's, it's all going to be canceled there's no way they can run risks of this because we've known about this for freaking months and, and we knew about it way back in January. I mean, you don't want to go down. We'll stay in sports here. We'll stick to sports. But uh, it, no, it been, I mean, it doesn't have totally have to be stick ago. to sports. Well, it, listen, stick to sports. We should, it should have been handled a long time ago by really smart, smarter people than, than this group of dudes here. Like we, they, it should have been handled. And excuse it, you. It wasn't, and now we're stuck here, and and we've got to, you know, now we're stuck here talking to, to Buck Rising, you know, uh, in our houses, and it's it's just, listen, it sucks, it's sad. You talk about the revenue, it's about a third of the money the NCAA was going to give out. Um, I think almost $650, $700 million-ish was what they were going to have to pass out. Now they got like two and a quarter to give out, roughly, so all those schools you mentioned, Buck, are going to suffer. In Nashville, the schools like Belmont and the schools like Lipscomb, TSU had a really good season. Austin P had a good year in basketball. Like all those schools are going to suffer. Now there's enough money if the NCAA truly wants to filter some money down and actually do the right thing and help the people that need the money the most, they could do it. And and I think it would work just like if Alabama wanted to give a little extra money to Troy in football, they could do it out of the kindness of their heart if they wanted to, because they've got 
just stacks of it lying around. So it, it's all about how people handle it. And that really doesn't go for just sports. That kind of goes for everything. If, if you've got stacks of cash lying around, maybe give it to somebody who, who needs some of it. I'm a socialist Damn. now, apparently. <laughs> Damn Bernie Sanders uh, sabotaging the podcast. Uh, and it should not be underestimated the amount of brain power that is on this Skype call. Derek Mason single-handedly figured out how to unblur his background uh, and has and has yeah. prevented himself from eating a single oatmeal cup through 21 minutes of podcasting. This is a great success. <laughs> and immediately as I say that, Derek Mason's thing freezes. <laughs> He's taking a selfie for his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I went to you. You choked. This was. Uh, this is. Uh, this is terrible. This is athlete performing uh, or lack of performance in a big spot. I throw to you, Derek, and the video feed craps out. This is an entirely an indictment of you. Can I interrupt? Well, one time? No, you cannot. Let him talk. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead again. Go ahead. Throw, throw the question to me because it did break up. It wasn't my end because my um my Wi-Fi is impeccable. Oh, Derek, nobody two- gives a shit about your Wi-Fi. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about your Wi-Fi. It wasn't even a question that I asked you. It was me taking a shot at you for taking 21 minutes of podcasting to figure out how to unblur your damn background. This was not a question. This was a statement. You know what? It was ironic. Because I'm a team player and because I give credit what credit is due, Brayden, thank you for telling me how to go into settings and unblur my, my back screen because I didn't know I didn't know what you guys were talking about until I went to the settings and then I clicked it on and clicked it off and I saw that behind me now yeah. you see so thank you Brayden that's something okay. that Buck wouldn't do he wouldn't he wouldn't thank you no I yep. would I I would uh, single-handedly <laughs> Tanya Harding you uh, before training camp and I would take your starting spot hey, Buck, that is what Buck, I would Buck, Buck let me interject real quick let me throw out a question I see in D-Mace's background, by the way, I'm the only jerk-off without a sports background. I got, like, windows and blinds behind me, like a total loser. Yeah, you D- are it- distracting from the fact that you're the one who actually looks like they're in the hostage situation right. by taking a shot at me. <laughs> but is it a violation for Derek Mason to have a bobblehead of himself behind him in the video? That's Steve McNair. Steve McNair and I. Yeah, I know. I see. I see, Steve. That's cool. I'm just wondering about you. So wait, wait. Is this like Toy Story at night when you leave the room? Like they just throw passes to each other on the shelf the whole night. Is that all that happens? Well, just a little D running routes back there. From, from what I from what I, I, I gathered, D Mace oh, has a look at. He's even got a trader bobblehead. Look at him. Look at him with the Ravens bobblehead, just trolling the Titans fans who will see this on YouTube. By the way, this is the first foray into YouTube for the six one five sessions. You slaps of the debut. Oh, Here's wow. what I've heard, though, through the, gra- through the grapevine, though, you mentioned Toy Story. I've heard D-Mace has a separate Woody that comes to life at night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, Brady, it was a matter of time before he went there. <laughs> Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Very pleased to be joined by Kari Blossingame, fullback for the Tennessee Titans, and somebody who was kind enough to come out and help us in the North Nashville community over the weekend in the wake of all the disaster 
uh, and relief that was necessary with the tornadoes. My man, I appreciate you stopping by. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no doubt. We, uh, this is the first time that this is, it's weird how dynamics work in the locker room uh, throughout the course of the season because Sunday was really the first time that you and I have had a conversation. That's probably a failing on my part as the as a media member, but I, I, when we're in the locker room and, and we have uh, when we have that kind of dynamic, like for us, it's for us, it's kind of like speed dating. Is that awkward at all for you when a bunch of dudes just slubbing slubbing around uh, in your workspace or coming up and asking you for ten or twenty minutes of your time? Yeah, no, it's not awkward, but I mean, sometimes like when you're about to go out to practice or anything like that, you kind of just want to be in your own space a little bit. But it's not awkward. It's I, I like the speed dating reference. <laughs> I mean, it's like Tinder for sports media, except, you know, we're all middle-aged. Most of us are middle-aged, out-of-shape white dudes. It's just kind of the <laughs> contingent that we have here in Nashville. But regardless, uh, you were telling me an interesting story on Sunday. You and Brett Kern and Daquan Jones, uh, a bunch of people with the Titans, kind enough to give some of your time and efforts uh, in relief of North Nashville you are from Huntsville, Alabama, and in Huntsville, Alabama, or in Alabama, around 2013, you guys dealt with tornadoes of your own. I wonder if you could if you could retell that story for the audience. Oh, yeah, man. So just relating to the tornadoes that were here in Nashville. So it was either 2013 or 2012. I can't remember the, the date, but uh, there, were, uh, there were some tornadoes that ripped through a lot of middle Alabama, Auburn, and Alabama, and that got a lot of national you know press attention but but in north alabama tornadoes came through there also and you know in athens and parts of hazel green new market it was it was it was actually kind of bad and we were out of school for a, for a good little minute because you know the damage that it had done to our school and then just a lot of places were without power and it was just it was an interesting you know time is i don't know if that's a good word to use no, it's, I mean, because how does one describe something like this, right? This is a natural event outside of anybody's control. Um, and the, you know, as we saw here in Nashville, it is it is random where it chooses to leave uh, the most destruction in its wake. I guess when, when, you, when you were growing through that, because younger age, right, we are, we're more impressionable. But some of that stuff, people able to, are able to compartmentalize and move on from. Are there is there anything that when you were going through that with anything that affected uh, you as a result of the tornado that that you still kind of keep in mind when you when you see stuff like this? Uh, I don't know, man. That that whole situation. We were actually at school when it happened, so just the whole deal about you know the kids who were at school and, you know, Donaldson, like if they were there during the day or if it didn't happen at night, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's just a lot that goes through my mind when I'm thinking about, you know, I guess how to deal with it. I, I guess I always like to have a gas stove and cause that's how we were able to cook. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling right now. Oh, that's listen, Kari. This is the point of a podcast. If I have a job, uh, if for no other reason than to ramble, ramble away. But but things things like gas stove, right? People, I have a gas stove, so I was able to cook uh, in North Nashville over the course of the six days that we were without power, and I never realized how valuable uh, an asset 
that could be. When you were walking around here Sunday with some of your teammates, with us, uh, with a lot of the people that were volunteering in North Nashville, when you were just kind of looking around at the people that you saw and the damage that it left, what kind of went through your mind? Uh, just really hoping that, you know, everybody that was that was affected by it, whether it was just not having power or a little damage or a lot of damage, just when I saw the, the people who were out there, one, it was a bunch of different types of people. Everybody was, you know, it seemed like it didn't discriminate, you know. But I really just hope that those people are able to, to rebuild whatever like whatever that looks like for them whether that's rebuilding their homes or or you know being taken care of enough by insurance or whatever that they can rebuild somewhere else you just sometimes like when i look at the people i just think about okay what's what's next for these people and when something like this happens you never really know so just look at to answer your question when i saw them i just really hope that they were going to be able to rebuild and and move on from this whatever that looked like for them which, which is the craziest part of all of this, right? Where where do all the people go? It's it's one thing to to go through, you know. Sunday, by the time that we got out here, that was that was, I believe, the sixth day since the tornado, and a lot of people had had cleared out of the out of the homes and the buildings that had been damaged. But when you look around, you're like, this is this is half a neighborhood. Where have all these people been displaced to? And the answer is a lot of them just don't know. I think that's that's the that's the craziest part. Did did you deal with anybody who was displaced uh, when you were younger and and these these kind of things were happening uh, in Alabama? Did you, do you have any stories like that? I guess. No, I don't have any stories of of personally like encountering anybody who you know lost everything and was displaced like that. So I can't I can't really speak to that no i and and that's that's fortunate hugely so it's it's something uh that we're going to be paying close attention to as as the rebuild officially gets underway because you know i mean the everything everything got cleared out but now the actual work begins in putting everything back together so i i i wanted to have you on for a variety of reasons because i thought that this was an interesting an interesting perspective given the fact of of everything that's just happened here in Nashville, and so I have in front of me, Kari, your your Titans Media Guide biography. And the first okay. thing that this says, I don't know if you guys see the Media Guide after they're published, but the first thing on your biography says, "Blossom Game enjoys playing the saxophone." That is not the first <laughs> thing that I would have thought of when I see Kari Blossom Game's name, but literally that is the first thing listed. On your biography, how long have you been playing the saxophone? Uh, I've been playing the saxophone since I was in band in the middle school. Yeah, middle school. So I think sixth grade. Okay. And, uh, so and you grade. and you continue to play? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was in band through ninth grade, and then I just kind of stopped because I was I was no longer in the band. You know, focusing on sports and you know, marching band is during football season concert bands during baseball season so I, there was no real way I could keep doing so I stopped there and then from here and there I just kind of peck around on it play a little bit but that's uh see that's that's interesting I I what can you play a full song like is is there a song that you're able to play that people would that people would recognize like what are you what I what I guess is your best uh your best uh best ability on the saxophone my my best ability will probably be able to like so a couple like weeks ago maybe it's last week week before last I don't know 
I played this this song. It was from like this uh, album from Kanye. And I can't really read music anymore. But what I do is I, I can just listen to a song and try to like find the the notes and play it by ear that way. So I guess that I would say that would be my best talent. It's actually a lack of talent because I can't read music. <laughs> but I feel I I feel like that's common among musicians. Like I feel like a lot of people can't read music even though they are musically inclined. Shoot, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you were like me and was in the band and then not in the band for a, a long time, I guess so. Well, it's I, like, I, mean, I, I wouldn't really know. I don't I don't know if I know too many musicians that don't read music. I got a friend who plays the bass, but I don't know if he plays from just ear or reading music. See, that's this is this is fascinating. We will further endeavor into the study of this. I with with your career at Vanderbilt. Obviously, many Titans fans know you from your time there. You were exceptional uh, while you were there, and and Vandy Vandy's had its struggles certainly. Uh, but you, your goal uh, after after football, whatever life after football looks like, is to become the CEO of ho- of a hospital or a healthcare system, a hospital administration. What exactly is it about that profession that you kind of lend yourself to? Uh, that profession, well, I was I had an interest in in healthcare because my mom's a physician, and I wanted to do that at first, and, but my career took a a different path when I got to college as far as pre-med and everything. But uh, just do like the study of MHS over at Vanderbilt, you learn about a lot of the uh, inequalities in healthcare. And I figured, you know, getting to a leadership position where you can really affect many parts of the organization. And I feel like you can make a, a difference that way. So I think what really got me interested in it was the fact that you was the fact that you could make a difference, uh, on some of the healthcare inequalities. Is is there a moment that you can pinpoint where you kind of recognized some of those inequalities and said, hey, if I'm, you know, said to yourself, if I'm in a position to do something about this, this is kind of the moment that I have identified as you can legitimately make a difference in this position. Can you, so what was the question off of that? Yeah, I did a bad job asking that. See, I, I, it's a crap, it's a crappy job. I, I appreciate when people call me out on bad questions because I wandered all over the place. On no, I, 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 I felt where you were going, but I just wanted to know the first part. Of, uh, <laughs> is there the a moment? Is there a moment uh, when you where where you identified healthcare inequalities or systematic inequalities in healthcare? A moment that kind of stood out to you. As you're as you're looking into what life after football may be like, like something that you noticed, uh, m- maybe being around your mom, being in hospitals, being in physicians' offices, where you said, in an instance like this, I could make a difference. I don't think it was. I don't think it was one one uh, time where I saw like, okay, this is what I want to work on. This right here, and it just struck me. I think it's just a culmination of all the experience that, experiences that I've had, like with the coursework or, you know, just hearing people talk about it. That's like, oh, something here is broken and something like I can add value by, you know, fixing something here that's broken. I think it's just uh, just a, a number of times. It's, I can't just pinpoint one time as a as an aha moment. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's how we uh, that's how most experiences are had. He is Kari Blossom Game at KB underscore two three spelled out 
on social media if you want to give the man a follow. Fullback for the Tennessee Titans, lead blocking Derrick Henry into an end zone near you, and uh, and a future saxophone-playing hospital administrator, it would seem, uh, from our time here on the 615 Sessions. Kari, I appreciate your help again on Sunday, man. You guys, it was fantastic to have you out, and I appreciate your time here today. Thanks, man. Appreciate you for having me on. It was, it was fun. us out with the primetime show uh you can follow him read where at best please on twitter at best please on twitter creativity is supported around here read you are somebody who has told me that you want to be involved in sports talk radio here you see four spot sports talk radio has been in front of you four of them in all of their books (laughs) uh one of us still on xm very happy for you in all of your glory uh, I uh, would say, oh, and ESPN Radio, Braden is also doing that. That should be noted uh, as well. Sports Talk Radio in all of its glory, this is the heights of the pers- uh, profession. Through nine or through 29 minutes of this debauchery, what have you made? Has it affected your career decisions at all? Well, uh, not so far. So I started the- Oh, is this not me? Yes, you got it. Okay, I was like, this actually started, uh, I don't know if these three guys remember, but you go back a year ago, I actually came on their radio show with them, and this is where my whole career started, was coming on them talking about the LLS, and not any of them happened to mention that when we first came on here, so I guess I have a forgettable well, face or well, something, I, I don't really know, but it's oh, been... Oh, just got petty with you all. I can tell I'll you stick why. it to them. Get them. Okay. Yes. I can tell you why, though. I can tell you why. It's because you, you, you named a particular human in that interview that is one of the worst human beings. And yes, I'm saying this out loud. One of the worst human beings that I've ever met, Jonathan Hutton. You said his name on our show and his airwaves. So if you want to get petty about it, we can start there. Okay? Don't mention direct competitors on our show. How about that? Well, fortunately for the, if we're fortunately for the four of us, they're no longer competitors. <laughs> <laughs> trolling all of us regardless talking about well, he's well, not well done <laughs> <laughs> yes the one former professional athlete in the room can gloat that he's more of an athlete than all of us four <laughs> in front very happy for you Derek and all your, your great accomplishments now let's talk about how the band broke up because I quit a year ago almost from today we are approaching April I quit in April it has been a year for me here uh, surviving and thriving on the internet. Over the course of that time, Morning Drive, the show to which I was a regular contributor, uh, the show that was a part of me having any kind of platform with which to spew information with regularity, 8 a.m.s on Wednesday was the best hour that any of you did, I will maintain. What? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> See, got- please, please stay focused, get back on track. <laughs> what the hell happened? What the hell happened after I quit? Because Morning Drive, I think after uh, Nick, you got laid off when? Uh, Monday, November the eighteenth. 
He's even got the day of the week for us. Braden and Derek, you guys left the radio station when? Ooh, it was the same day. What was that? Uh, February. Uh, it was right before Valentine's Day. I know that. Wasn't yeah, it? Like week, like the week of Valentine's, like a mo- the Monday morning of Valentine's week. Yeah. Yeah, so it was that Monday. So what, over the course of that period in time, what led us to the place where we are now, where the four of us are no longer on terrestrial radio, and I would argue are better off for it, but I would like your perspectives first. Nick, since you were the first to go down, why don't you lead the proceedings? Well, it was very clear to me. I mean, the second you left being a contributor on our show, the ratings went in the tank, and we never recovered. You... You were the stir- you were the straw that stirred the drink, Bucky. That's true. That's true. All all credit due to Allah. That's that's how uh, that's how it should be. One thousand percent. No, but seriously though, Nick, because I know you cared about that show. In fact, to the point of major annoyance to all four of us and and whomever was on the group text at any particular time, you cared about that show a great deal. You care about sports radio a great deal. And now we, we get the opportunity to kind of hang out in this different setting, but this is a different setting that all of us are used to. This is not the setting, I think, ideally. All, well, at least you three, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not. I have no idea. This is not the ideal setting for the three of you. And I kind of want each of your perspectives. So, Nick, if you could kind of walk us yeah, through yeah. your experience. I mean, you know, doing this for 15 years now, I think you just get to a point where you know, a lot of times, I mean, let's face it, there's not many sports radio shows that have long extended runs. I mean, you could probably count them on, you know, maybe two hands. Maybe maybe there's a dozen across the country, local or national, that have, you know, monstrous long runs. So, you know, we had just about a two-year run, and for whatever reason, they decided to go in a different direction. And, you know, I think when you do this as long as we've been doing it for in any capacity, you can't take it personally. I mean, yeah, there. You want to be motivated and prove them wrong and, you know, bounce back and say it was a mistake that you let me go. But it's part of the business. And uh, I've been telling people for four months that have asked me this question. I said, being a sports radio host is like being a running back in the NFL. They can part ways with you at any point. And uh, you're a part of the team one minute. And the next minute you're scrubbed off their website as if you didn't exist. So, you know, <laughs> it happens and you just got to bounce back. I mean, I, I expect it to happen three more times for the next 30 years probably. My God, is that Blake Brightening? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with like Dick's point on how the industry is just sort of like it's just the way it is. Now, like, do I like that my wife has to explain away her husband's career because there's an article in the Tennessean about how he got laid off? Like, of course not. That's not. That doesn't make me feel great. But it's, it's not uh, the most I'm... unfortunate thing that that article was done without any kind of disgrace associated with it. Like, I really hoped for all of us that we would all four go down in flames, and that's yes. yet, uh, yes. yet to come about. Uh, so, I mean, it's it, it's it's unique, like, to give people a perspective. It's a unique industry to be in in that sense, and I think Nick is, is saying that. that like, listen, you're going to you, – show, shows are – it's every coach gets hired to get fired. It's just the way it is, man. And so when you get a show – you're not going to keep it forever. It's not going to happen and last forever. You just have to know that going into it. It's part of the business. I've been fired twice, uh, and the first time I got fired, I, it was the, one of the best things that ever happened to me. So uh, I don't, you know, the industry is going in a very different direction, and and I think being ahead of that curve and, and whatever that curve looks like, I'm fascinated by it. I don't know what that's going to look like. Settle down. Um, I, it's I don't I don't know if it has like that many graphics bucks. Just chill. Um, but I, I think that more A to Z everywhere, it, everything A to Z, drown me in it. 
dude, it's a fascinating time, and I know the coronavirus and the politics and everything like gets people all caught up in this in this nonsense. But like, it really is from a media standpoint. Check out the Coverage you podcast coming out this week. We're going to dive into the media history because my 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 like my co-host Nick Kale. Uh, right there, and and me, we're gonna have a buddy come on and explain who's been in the newspaper business, who's been in the magazine business, who's been in radio, and now he's in digital. It is a fascinating arc, man. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what kind of bubbles are gonna burst, or what what direction the industry's headed. Whether it's for profit, whether it's information, you know, misinformation, opinion, news. Why can't we separate the two? Like I, I'm just fascinated by how the group think works and and what that means for media and. I still think there's places for great storytelling. There's places for interesting people. There's places for just kicking back and watching a badass football game. Like, I just think there's places for all of that. And I don't know how it's all going to be delivered. I mean, I know on our phones, but like, it's, it's going to be delivered in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. And, you know, it, not, not everybody, you know, who sits at home and watches cable TV is going to be the person who's going to get it all. So, Derek, do you feel uh, neglected that they've left you out of the Cover 2 podcast? This clearly seems to be a mutiny. You've just praised Braden for being a good teammate, and now he is out of himself as a bad one. Only two people. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we run that old, that old Tampa defense, man. We just can't, you know, we can't I'm adapt to the ball. Consistency, Derek. Coverage, consistency. I'm about two-man. I'm I'm, I play two-man. So, yeah, we can play a little two, but I like to be man-to-man, too. No, um... It, I've been I, I've been fired before. That's just the way it is. Hell, um, the worst firing is when I had to leave here, uh, Nashville, to go to Baltimore. That was the worst. Anything after that is just you know. Even though the Baltimore situation, uh, I saw it coming because after the collective bargaining, after once they did the new collective bargaining, I knew being a veteran guy, I was going to be the first uh, one of the first out the door, and it happened that way. But they did it. They did it in such a way. It was done with grace. It was done with respect. Um, it was done the way you are supposed to um, do it in regards to sitting down with an individual, um, talking with that individual, and letting them know everything that's going on, and this is why we're choosing to go this way. So Baltimore chose to do that. The Titans chose to do it when I got released. So that was that was the most heartfelt one was the Titans. Anything after that, even though I said Baltimore was heartfelt too, but anything after those two are just firings, man. I mean, it happens. You can't last forever in this in, in this type of business. I realize that now. Uh, I came into the business, you know, to to talk sports, to have something to do, um, because I enjoyed it. I did it while I was playing. Um, and then I got an opportunity to meet some really good people, uh, some people that I consider friends now. Um, and it started with the, you know, with with with, with Darren doing the the midday show, and then it ended with uh, with Nick and Brayden um, doing the morning show. And you know, it wasn't so much that you know I couldn't talk sports anymore because hell, I can get on my Twitter and rant, you know, rave about sport or rant, rant about sports all day if I wanted to. It wasn't sports, and I've always told these people, it's not football, it's the locker room. It's not sports. It's the people that you go in the morning with. Because there were some mornings, just like I know Nick and Braden, they were, it was like, man, I'm tired. I don't feel like being here. But get there and, you know, you start chopping it up with the fellas and you forget about it being 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, the time just going and you're having fun, you know, talking sports. There's plenty of times where I walk in there. Braden can tell you, I mean, two, maybe two weeks after, well, before, you know, everything happened. I walked in there one day, I was sick as a dog, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. 
And Brayton was like, man, you need to snap out of it. This is the ticket. We need to snap out of it. And I didn't, but then I came back and apologized because he was right. <laughs> so I did, but you know, after the fact, it was like, oh, you're so good. <laughs> but it wasn't about the. It wasn't about the show. It was more so about the individuals. That's why I enjoy coming, you know, coming to work, whether it be football, coming in the locker room, or honestly, you know, doing sports radio talk. It was just coming in the building, seeing those guys, having an opportunity to talk something that we all know, you know, in and out. And this is, this is way too nice. This is way, way, way too professional and way, way too. All nice. of you, all of you are giving me like athlete, like coach speak yeah, 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 yeah. This is oh, honestly by, pissing by me off. Mates, mates, by the way, you know, speak for yourself on the don't want to show up and do a, do a radio show. I'm, I was always willing to come in and talk sports. Talking with my wife was a challenge. That's something I don't want to do. But to, to talk sports with you guys was never a chore. I think no, the person I, I pity yet through all of this the most is Nick Kale's wife. Yeah, it always it, some. It was just getting up, getting up at four thirty. For you, Nick, it was even earlier. Well, getting, it, getting well, in well, a, but Mace, if, if getting up was the issue, you just go to Cool Springs, MD. Yeah, <laughs> good point. But, no free ads. No, yeah, seriously, like, like uh, obviously. We completely disagree with their decision making. Like, let's be honest about this. Like, yeah. we're not going to sit here. Like, sure, there's tons of great people that, that still work over there. I, I've not heard from two, by the way. I'll drop. We'll, there's two people that have not have not heard from. Yes. One of them, I don't believe knows how to work a cell phone, so it's cool. Um, the the other one just hasn't reached out to me. So like, whatever. It, but again, like, it's part of the business. But like, let's not pretend like we agree. And like, and play this coach speak BS here. Like, of course I don't agree with their decision making. Of course I don't agree with the boss's decisions to cancel our show for no real reason at all. And so I, I don't, you know, like, we, we can sit here and like, you know, throw platitudes out. And and it, listen, it was a great experience for me. And Nick and, and Derek, Derek, you were there. Nick, you weren't. But like, I got, I got that opportunity with a good friend to do a fun morning show. And I got to cover a Stanley Cup final, like, right out of the gate. It's one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. I would never trade that for anything. But don't tell me I agree with what they decided. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that's what you guys are saying, but I'm just we're, – we're all being, like, nice here. And, oh, it was a great time in our careers, and the quarterback did the best job he could. And, you know, the referees were, were great, and the fans were awesome, and the cheerleaders were hot, and, like, everything was great. Like, come on. Like, obviously, I totally disagree with their decisions. So I, I, I think that's – that's, that, that's a thing that I've, that I don't think it, you know, I'm not going to back down from telling people that. No, here it is. It's why do you, you know, and, and, and I said this, you know, as we were exiting out the door, it's, you know, you, you ask us to, you know, go in and do a job or go say with, with five basketball, four, three basketball players. And you say, go out there and play basketball. Oh, but give me your tennis shoes. What other team is you? So that's essentially what you're asking us to do. Go play basketball. Well, where's, where's Porkin Jones? He's got the shoes for you, dude. <laughs> exactly. No, but that was, that's what the, the whole deal was, is that you're asking us. And, and, hell, we did a hell of a job together. I think we had the best morning show in, 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 in definitely in the city of Nashville, but throughout the state. I think we had the best morning show. And to then want to you know, dismantle that morning show. I can, I never under, I never understood, and I, I mean, frankly, I really, honestly, at this point, I don't care. But I never understood at that time why are you dismantling a group of guys 
that works so well together, that has a really good morning show, and now all of a sudden it's, well, we're going in another direction. That's, at the time, I didn't understand it, but right now I really don't care why they did it. They did it, you move on. All of it, uh, I think we can, uh, of course, trace back to the fact that I left. So all of this has been uh, <laughs> yeah, sl <laughs> slow devolution uh, from, no, it's it stinks because the best, the thing that I have found in doing this with a variety of different friends of mine in media, and you guys included, is that I miss doing stuff with my friends on a regular basis. And that's what that show represented to at least me. Derek, you and Darren put me on the air for the first time. It's all your fault. This Everything that has resulted after the fact is directly placed on the shoulders of Derek Mason and Darren McFarland, and I will forever be grateful uh, for that. Brayden and Fitz gave me a lot more airtime than anybody was willing to do. And Nick, once you got there, we made it a regular hour in a way that I had to fight, fight on a regular basis just to just to breathe, uh, breathe any kind of sports that wasn't hockey into the room, it seemed. I mean, college basketball, me and Julian faced that at every opportunity. Julian Council, who just made his first 615 sessions appearance and was yeah, as... About that, by the way, Buck. Not that cool. He beat, Not that cool. he beat you to it? Mm-hmm. No, I think that what honestly, that was uh, that was one of the most fun ones we did because we just called each other and talked for 20 minutes about the coronavirus. But that's what this is, you know. This here, us for and Reed, of course, supervising, and we'll get to uh, Reed, who is asking to explain. Uh, at will ask each of us to explain a tweet here in just a moment. Uh, I miss doing shows with my friends, and that's what that 8 a.m. hour represented to me. That's what that show uh, felt like to me. Now, shut up. Don't don't be but, but, me. But you know, and you guys, everybody in this room is well aware, like when we did that hour, the people reacted from the standpoint of, oh my God, this is great. I don't even care that you guys aren't talking about the Titans with Buck. They just love the camaraderie and the back and forth and the bullshitting and the, you know, the busting of the balls. And I think that's what made it so organic is, you know, we were able to do something basically unscripted and make it work. And I think a lot of times across the country, I, I try to stay in tune with like everybody in radio. They don't want that. They want you to be regimented and stick to this and stick to that and stay within a narrow lane. And when you branch off, it, it makes them uncomfortable. And I'm referring to, you know, management. Well, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say, listen, like, it's not to be like too, you know, big picture on all this stuff, but there's been so many different things that each of us have done in our careers. Derek, you talked about playing for different teams with different locker rooms and different people. And Nick, you've been gone through surgeries to do what you do. And it, it, like for me personally, it's just a lesson to like enjoy when you're in the moment of doing something. What about my adversity? What about my struggles? What I, the hell? I, what, you can't swim? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana football is better than basketball. I don't know what to tell you, dude. That's a um, real thing. I, I, listen, I just—it's to me—it's a—it's a lesson in life that when you have something you enjoy, to enjoy it while you got it, because it's not going to last. It's not going to last. So I enjoyed doing the show with these with these guys. We enjoyed having you on. I enjoyed the previous versions of the show. I enjoyed. I've had my, uh, the podcast has three different editions and three different co-hosts. I've loved each and every one of them for different reasons. And but to me, I know that sounds super cheesy, but it's just. It, it, you know, I'm getting older. I've got two daughters now. I cry at every stinking movie, even like World War II movies. So it's just enjoy the moment because it's not going to last. It's going to be gone someday. And when it is, you, you, you just got to look back and say, 
well, hell, man, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun doing that and try to recognize that you're in the middle of that and, and actually enjoy it while you got it. Six one five sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets, TennesseeTickets.com. No hidden fees. Joining me via Skype, we are. He is the first guinea pig for the Skype edition oh, of the six one five. It is Josh Griffin. If you've been to Tin Roof, you know this man well. You can follow him on the socials at Josh underscore Griffin six. He is the manager of Tin Roof. He is the shining light that so many of us have needed on our weekends on a week-to-week basis. And now, in these times of quarantine and COVID-19, life has been made infinitely difficult for all of us who need Tin Roof back in our lives, but more importantly, for the the place that we have called a a sanctuary and a shelter, Tin Roof itself. Buddy, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was uh, great to get that message from you and happy to join, man. Glad to be here. And, and I like testing the waters and trying something new. So this whole Skype and Facebook Live and Instagram Live, man, it's all new, but I'm learning it as quick as I can. Well, it looks great. Well, you and you guys have done, honestly, a tremendous job with it, trying to figure out how to get the artist and your your staff, bartenders, everybody who's been affected by the closing of not just Tin Roof, but bars around the city and certainly around the country as we all experience this together. You guys have done a really great job in trying to keep people engaged for the sake of those people who rely upon you being open. And uh, you can follow at Tin Roof Nash, I know, on Instagram. Make sure, let me make sure that we're plugging all the correct social handles, Josh, if you've got them uh, if yeah, you got at them. Nashville um, on Instagram and then at Tenor of Nash on Twitter. Um, and really, like you said, man, it's it's been um, a lot more engagement in in those uh, avenues of, of communication. And, and you know, we're, we're throwing out the questionnaires. We're doing the Tenor of Challenges. Um, and then, like you said, you know, offering live entertainment, doing live streams from home. Uh, some artists, you know, doing it from their studios, some actually coming to do it on the stage. Uh, we did the DJ set here yesterday for three hours, and it was, I mean, it was awesome, and it's great to to see people getting engaged. And, you know, like you said, man, right now it's really the only way that we can get ourselves out into the community, and that's, you know, by staying connected. Um, and that's the beauty that we have is we can all connect so easily now. So at least we have options. <laughs> options are good. But this kind of walk me through these past couple weeks for you as somebody who runs this business uh, for the better part of a decade now, yeah. you've been the manager of uh, of Tin Roof. The esta- the first place that I got shit housed in <laughs> when I moved here. This the Tin Roof has a special place in my heart. But St. Patty's Day weekend, this this the noise around coronavirus and COVID nineteen was starting to get louder and louder. And Tin mm-hmm. Roof had its St. Patrick's Day party before everything kind of exacerbated to the point that we now find ourselves. So I guess from right. the start of when you're finding out this is that this may conflict with the Tin Roof's normal St. Patrick's Day celebrations to the point that we are now, can you kind of walk the audience through 
how that's been from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, as you know, um, the first hit that we all took, I mean, everyone in, in both your world and mine was the, uh, the cancellation of the SEC tournament. And, you know, we're following it day by day because, you know, first they say, you know, I had plans on going to the tournament with some friends, um, some old uh, buddies of mine that played basketball at Tennessee. We were going to do the whole experience VIP, you know, locker room visits and all that stuff. So I was very excited to be able to do that. And then the next day they're like, oh, you know, they're not allowing people into the stands. And then day after that, you know, they played one round of games and they're like, okay, we're going to cancel the whole thing. So, you know, we had preparations and plans with, um, you know, friends of ours from that were coming in town. Uh, we'd, we'd worked with the St. Louis location, the Lexington location, Louisville location um, to advertise, you know, if you're coming to Nashville, come check out our, our spots. So as that started to get canceled, you know, more and more people left town. So it's like, okay, we're bracing for the worst with that. So it's like, okay, what's next? Um, but, you know, what we did, we followed the guidelines. You know, the, the government and the, and the state government, city government, we followed what they wanted us to do. And we tried to stay ahead of that. You know, we made sure we had sanitation stations for our big St. Patrick's Day event. Like that was the first thing that I wanted to make sure that we were aware of. Like we were cognitive of everything that was going on, but at the same time, you know, there's people wanting to be out on St. Patrick's Day. And, and so we followed the guidelines and literally just took it day by day um, and had the preparation. You know, even here, we had a bathroom attendant that I hired on just for the day to make sure we kept soap stock, toilet paper stock, paper towel stock, and that somebody was constantly wiping down surfaces. So we took necessary precautions to continue this. And, and you know, I'm glad we did because you know, the very next day, that Sunday we had, because you know, like I said, we had expectations for this SEC tournament. That's the championship day. We had band that was going to start. The downbeat for the band was going to be as soon as the final second ticked off of the championship game. And then we had DJs set to go all night. Well, we came in and found out they were going to shut everything down the next day. So we took precautions. We, you know, unfortunately had to cancel bands. We closed our kitchen early and we shut the bar down. We didn't do the full day and the full experience that we wanted. Um, but it still offered people a chance to get out and enjoy the St. Patrick's Day before, you know, being shut in. And, and I mean, you've seen it the last two weeks now that we've been closed. Uh, people have just been hopefully staying home and staying safe, but they're not out and getting the, the release that they want. Um, and it's been it's been tough. But, you know, we're just trying to work through it and stay out there for them. At J underscore Griff 06 is where you follow him on Twitter. Josh Griffin of Tin Ruth here with us. On the 615 sessions, I, the picture that you posted, I can't remember if it was on Tin Roof's Instagram account or on your account personally of just the 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 haunting image of Tin Roof with all of the bar seats up on the bar, the lights off, shutting it down officially. Kind of, I mean, this is a huge part of your life at this point. Yeah. Gosh. yeah. What from from you personally? What was that kind of emotional experience like for um, you? Because that, that was jarring for me to see yeah, just as an yeah. image. I mean, I got, you know, I got a lot of feedback on it, and the outreach from people has been great, man. Um, but it, it's sad. You know, I've been here. I started with this company in 2012 as a bartender, and um, at, at the end of two excuse me, 2013, took over managing. And walking through this place and turning off lights that I'd never turned off before. You know, we have our staple Christmas lights that wrap around the bar. And I'm going through, like, unplugging these things one by one. And it's it's sad because, it's like you said, it's been part of my life. But it's also been the part of my life and, and so many other people that had come in here, you know, 
we always have the term, thanks for being a regular, but this place is built on the repeat business that we've got. You know, in a, in a tourism town, tourism-driven town, our main staple is our locals and our regulars that come in here every single day. And so, but it's, it's just tough, like not being able to provide that entertainment, not, you know, having that release, even for myself, you know, I, I just had the first Saturday that I sit at home and I'm like playing board games. And I'm like, is this what people do on Saturdays? Like, I'm not used to this. So I, I can assure you that is not what normal people do <laughs> on Saturdays. The board game, the, the re it's, it's a great, great time to invest in monopoly. Great oh, time sure. to invest in the board game business. <laughs> But all of it, uh, and you and you've started a, uh, a GoFundMe account for yeah. your staff at the Demumbrian location, trying to keep everybody at least trying to to stay what could be a difficult time as we move into more uncertainty in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, the GoFundMe, of course, you can find. Uh, I want to make sure that we plug it correctly, Josh. If you want to give uh, people where exactly they can go to be able to donate to people who have spent so many Saturdays and Sundays, Sunday fun days, Friday nights, whatever the case may be, mm. making sure that uh, we as consumers can enjoy our time at Tin Roof on Demumbrian. Yeah, that was that was a big concern. Um, you know, we keep running back to it, but, you know, all of the, the, the employees, it's they're furloughed right now. You know, there's no sales, so there's no job for them. And this isn't, for a lot of these guys, this isn't, a spot you can take and you can work from home. Like some people have that option. Their businesses can still be run. Their businesses are open and functioning and they can work from home. Well, you know, a lot of my staff, this is their sole income. And so if there's no tips, there's no income for them. So that's a big concern for me. And the first thing I thought to do was, you know, um, we wanted to start doing these live interactive things with musicians coming in and doing tips and whatnot. But once you divvy that up, it's really gets spread thin when you're thinking, you know, I have almost 40 employees now that are without income. Um, so we did set up the GoFundMe. The link is available in the Tin Roof Instagram bio. Um, and I've set it up in my own personal bio as well. Uh, so anybody that knows me or follows me, we've got access to it. But it's, again, just trying to raise money for them because like i said they they don't have any income when we don't have any business and that's you know my biggest concern is just trying to help them out the best way i can at tin roof nashville is where you follow uh, so many people's favorite bar on instagram the link for the gofundme uh, if you were going to spend some money on a bar tab at tin roof why not just donate it to the people that would be serving you anyway i know that's certainly an approach that many of us are trying to take as we try to keep our favorite local businesses uh, above water, as we all try to stay above water in what is uh, in what's a hugely difficult time. Josh, I I hate that the first time you got it, you got to come back because the six one five session. Anytime, is, man. Anytime. It is proudly six one five, and you are a staple of this community. You and the bar uh, that you run. I want to make this a more regular occurrence, but certainly uh, unfortunate that we had to do it under these circumstances. Josh Griffin of Tin Roof on Demumbrian, kind enough to give us some spot, some time on the 615 Sessions podcast. Buddy, I appreciate you. I uh, hope you and the family stay safe and stay well, uh, and we'll catch up again soon. Absolutely, man. Can't wait to get these doors back open, and uh, I'll treat you to a couple rounds. Come in and hang out sometime, man.
this has been uh, inherently depressing. It is now time uh, for all of us to explain our tweets at Brayden Gall, at Nick Kale, at DMACE85. Each of us has apparently, the, our, our timelines has been scoured by the fine staff here at ABC Sports. Read which victim would you like to choose first, either of the four that sit before you. We're going with Brayden Gall first, straight up. <laughs> well, Derek, doesn't give up. Derek doesn't give me any material, so. Definitively, he says, straight up. I was like, first off, y'all have done a great job of making sure you explain everything in your tweets. So it's been very difficult scouring from probably the first time you created a tweet. I went that far back trying to look for something and settled on something a little closer. So only a couple days ago, Braden, at 8.50 p.m., or no, excuse me, 8.50 a.m., you talk about how, folks, today might be the end. Day 23 of quarantine just might do me in, and it's not even 9 o'clock yet. What happened before 9 a.m.? Yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, so Nick Nick can explain. Derek, you're probably too far removed to even remember what life was like when you had two small children. But um, So here, here's here's how, like, my – but just give you an example. This was not that particular day, but, like, yesterday. My, my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter – comes down and figures out that we didn't put the brownie tin far enough away out of her reach. So she before we are sleeping dead asleep, everyone else in the house is asleep, the dog's asleep, her sister's asleep, mom and dad are asleep, and she has consumed half a tray of brownies, which is not a good thing for a three-and-a-half-year-old child to consume before she even comes into our, our room to wake us up. And that's like at 6.30. So she's eaten a tray of brownies, and it's not even... Like this day, I don't even remember what happened that day. I don't know what happens before about 5.30. Once I have a beer, that's when I start remembering things. It's, it works the opposite for me. I start drinking in the evenings, and things start to become more normal, and they start to, to – so that's when I don't understand my tweets. Is anything after like 10.30 p.m., I don't understand my tweets, but anything before 9 a.m. It, it was a rough morning. Kids are screaming, and it's like, dude, I've, I've had enough of this because uh, also, we've obviously also been quarantined because my kids' daycare – was hit by the tornado so we've actually been out and in the house quarantining before it was cool like around march 3rd uh and so it's been a little it's been like an extra week and a half for us so it's been pretty rough but i love my kids they're a joy kids are a joy kids are a joy debatable i thought it was very important for reed to have the timestamps on each of these yeah. because it would be best to figure out at what point nick kale became saturated in the Tito's. Reed, do you have a Nick Kale tweet that you would like to question oh, him absolutely. on? Oh, it's, absolutely. It's ironic because on the same day Nick tweets out <laughs> at 8.19 p.m., he said, I've been kept inside for so, an extended period of time has made me come to a stark realization. My wife watches some god-awful television shows. What TV shows are you all watching? Because you got to put Tiger King on the list, right? No, and it, no, we're not going to put Tiger King on the list because she brought that show up to me today, and I haven't seen it yet, but I see everybody in the world is tweeting about it, so I refuse to watch it. I am not going to. The only thing, Tiger, I watch, d you'll love this, Tiger Woods. Okay, buddy? It's just for you. Is it a good no, That was why, such why, a... Why is it, it going to be a black thing? Can't the white man catch a break any day? Not on this call because we're outbalanced black, uh, white to brown, three to uh, three to two in this particular call. So we have to. There's a fine line that we have to balance. And she was watching some paranormal activity show with like ghost hunters or 
And I'm just sitting back and I'm like, wait a minute, she's going to give me crap all the time I watch football and sports and golf and Al Bundy. And she's sitting there watching these god-awful television shows that we all know are bogus. I'm just thinking like, wow, I've come to the realization that she just has terrible television taste. Has this made you reevaluate your marriage at this point? The fact that your, oh, other, I, your significant other has terrible television taste. Look, I've been married for 12 years. I've been reevaluating for 11 of those. Okay. <laughs> so this is good. Nick Hale, go ahead, Derek. Hey, Nick, but you should watch Tiger King. That could be you. Tiger oh, King. my God. <laughs> the, right, next, I, the next governor a, of the state of Tennessee <laughs> is not Bill Lee. It is uh, Nick Exotic uh, with his multiple husbands because of 12 years of failed marriage. And so we will come We will come to find Nick Kale in the next YouTube edition of the 615 Sessions with multiple ear piercings, nipple piercings, and a above crotch tat that says property of X, Y, and Z. I made it through one episode. I can't watch another one, but it was damn good. <laughs> well, wait a minute. It's multiple episodes? It's six. Oh, I thought it was a movie. We, I'm not no. kidding. I'm not kidding. We watched the first episode, and it's there's certainly some like voyeuristic, like you're just like, what the hell am I watching here? Uh, aspect to it. But we immediately went to Ozark the very next day because we were like, no, nah, we want to watch something a little bit more high quality than that. So Ozark season three, we just watched the first episode of that. Pretty good stuff. We can find consensus on that. If nothing else, Nick, watch Tiger King to expand your sexual horizons. Read what Derek Mason tweet have you brought us today. All right, Derek. So, Derek, not to throw too much shade at you, but I went about a month ago on February 19th. You listened to a new song in the morning or in the evening. Uh, you just listened to Antonio Brown's Andrew Luck for the first time. And I'm just, do you remember what you thought he said on the lyrics? Or do you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. So somebody sent me the link. I don't know what, no, it wasn't you, um, Nick. Somebody else sent me the link. Uh, and they said, watch this. So I'm in the car. I'm like, okay. So I get home and I watch it. And I'm like, what is he? He said something in there. I had to call my son, who's 17 years old. Because, you know, the, the teenagers, they know this lingo. They know it sounds like the, the rapper is mumbling, but they know exactly what they're saying. All teenagers do. All, and, Buck, you probably know, too. But I'm listening to Antonio Brown, and I am trying to figure out the only thing I understand him saying is Andrew Luck. That is it. <laughs> so I had to call my son and say, what is he saying? I had to play it for him like three or four times. Like, what is he saying? And my son finally told me what he was saying. And I'm like, are you serious? That's what he's saying? By the way, that is probably the most God-awful song that I've ever heard. But if Antonio Brown, he can do it. How, I, how does it make about another guy. I, I don't get that. Here's the, here's the question. Was this like before we got let go or was this after we got let go? This was after. February <laughs> yeah, 19th. The best part is you claim to call your son first, but no, no. You went to Twitter first to ask everyone else's opinion on, did he just say honey baked ham? Yeah, and I thought he said honey baked ham. <laughs> <laughs> Intern Reed just checks the receipts yeah. on your Twitter. 
Intern Reed just fact-checked you on Twitter. Fraud, Derek Mason. No, I didn't have to ask my son. I had to ask him, like, what is he saying? I thought he was saying Honey Baked Ham, and I'm trying to figure out why is he saying Honey Baked Ham in a rap song? I didn't get it. But I guess I'll Because he, he wasn't. Because <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> so I, I don't want to follow Derek Mason's because I don't think I'm going to have anything better to top. But, Reed, do we have anything comedically from my Twitter timeline that you could probe well, me about? I went through all of yours, and honestly, your latest tweet is what caught my eye. At 4.20 today, which we all, you know, 4.20 is a great time for you to tweet out quarantine 15 engaged due to some Girl Scout cookies. Can you explain what's going on there? Uh, yes, it probably also has something to do with the 4.20 illusion that you just totally hey. sold me out, Reed. Thank you for your time here at A to Sports. I uh, will... Welcome to unemployment, Buck. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> Listen, nothing nothing is wrong out here on the, the internet. I, uh, I plead the fifth. I can neither confirm nor deny. Regardless, there are Thin Mints available now via purchase on the internet. Girl Scouts will no longer be allowed to sell by the street and at picnic tables across our great nation will no longer be able to shell or shill Girl Scout cookies to uh, the unassuming public with whom they are trying to rip off. So I am now going to gain 15 pounds in the middle of quarantine because I now have the ability uh, to uh, make make it whatever time I please, 420 or not, and order Girl Scout cookies online, and I'm going to get very, very fat. You, you actually ordered Girl Scout cookies right at 420 and then tweeted about it? Like, what are the odds? Seriously. No, the Girl Scout. Listen, listen. The Girl Scouts made the announcement at about four o'clock. My tweet, having seen this, did not come until about four twenty. Oh, convenient. <laughs> Very convenient timing. Very convenient indeed. Are we almost done. Yes, we are almost done. <laughs> what? This well, okay, Nick. What do you have to do? What is so pressing? I told I'm just you. I'm talking to my computer. I'm going to go into the backyard and work on the short game, do a little chipping and pitching. <laughs> the, answer is, the answer is nothing. Nick Kale just does not have the ability to uh, go dark in a Skype chat as he would <laughs> in most group texts. So this is the point where we will land the plane. We will end this particular edition of the 615 Sessions podcast. Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Nick Kale, intern Reed, all alongside. Boys, Parting shots from each of you on the way out the door. Stillness is the key. Perhaps that is Derek Mason's parting shot. We begin with the bitchiest among us, Nick Kale. Well, it's not really a shot. I'm actually going to give a little bit of love here because, like, let's face it, right? COVID-19, everybody's down in the dumps. We're all quarantined to our house. I'm going to give D. Mace a little bit of love. I'm liking the white V-neck T-shirt today, brother. You probably spent 80 bucks on it, well out of my price range. I got you. I got you, 85. Thank you. I appreciate it, Nick. Much love, brother. Much love. It's one of the, it's clearly one of the Kanye West uh, white t-shirts that he made hundreds of millions of dollars on that Derek has fallen uh, prey to because he is a sheep. Derek Mason, your parting shot on the way out the door. Oh, man. Parting shot out the door, people. Stillness. I'm reading this book. Stillness is the key. This was what it's all about. Actually, I started reading this book before the quarantine. Now we're in the quarantine. What better way? to finish up or, you know, enjoy the quarantine is to read about stillness. So everybody, stillness is the key. Tap into that inner person. 
This is the time to do it. Because once they open back up the doors, we're going to go back to being sheep. <laughs> the hell is stillness, dude? I don't have any stillness in my house. It's me and three <laughs> women every single second of the day. There's still not a word that exists in my vocabulary. Uh, I love how all like there's like four of us wearing white t-shirts. By the way, <laughs> only D only D gets the love. <laughs> what uh, uh, I would say uh, first of all, again, total sap move here. Uh, Nick, one of the hardest working dudes I've ever been around in my whole life. Derek, you are, are one of the dudes that has put up with me better than any human being I've ever been around in my entire life because of that stillness thing you're talking about. Um, but uh, be vigilant about just you know, being smart and, and educated, like sports fans, you guys are seriously like if I rattled off Jarrell Casey's dead cap hit right now and I was off by like $10,000, you assholes would call me on that. So take those super unbelievable fact checking powers that you have and direct it at everything else in your life, because it will make you a better person with a better life, a better community and all that good stuff. So just, you're super powerful. Just use, it, use all those powers for good, man. That's all. High praise again after citing both of their accomplishments and the achievements that they've been able to overcome in the face of adversity of both Nikhail and Derek Mason. Braden Gall neglects to include my many talents and many skills uh, as a part of his uh, sign-off. Uh, I hate you. That's hey. cool. That means I accomplished my goal. Hey, deep voice guy, man. I your hair grew back, man. Why don't you cut it again? Well, yeah, because I started to look like your bald ass, and I knew that I had to do something. So I summoned all of my Arab powers and immediately grew it back. As we have. All the love. That's all I know. I know. It's good to see you boys. It's good to talk. It's been fun to do. Okay, that is going to do it for us today here on the 615 Sessions, powered by Tennessee Tickets. TennesseeTickets.com, no hidden fees, single-game tickets available for Titans games in the 2020 season. Get great prices on them. The largest inventory of Titans tickets in the state, TennesseeTickets.com. Shouts to all of the people who gave us their time today. Shouts to Intern Reed for assisting us in the asking of Twitter questions. To Braden Gall, Nick Kale, and Derek Mason our morning drive friends gone but not forgotten from Nashville's airwaves. We'll continue to keep them a part of the 615 here in the 615 sessions. Shouts to Dennis Kelly and Kari Blossom game, guys who I reached out to independent of Titans PR and still made time to dis- discuss things that are going on in our lives and that are very much relevant and very much affecting the people here in Nashville. And, of course, Josh Griffin, our friend manager at Tin Roof, on Demumbrian for lending a voice, certainly, to some of the struggles that the service industry in our city and across our country are experiencing right now. Shouts, of course, as always, to you guys. Make sure that you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the 615 Sessions podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast: Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We are all of those places for you to consume. Tell a friend. While you're there, leave five-star ratings with your questions that we'll do in the iTunes review mailbag. We'll make sure that Intern Reed forages for the best of them. Five stars with the questions. They'll make sure they make it to air for not just me, but for a variety of our guests that come through here. A lot of exciting guests 
on the horizon because nobody's got anything to do besides podcasts. So we're in a perfect setup and we're going to continue to bring you the best conversations here on the 615. So until we speak to you next, this is Buck Rising reminding you as always to stay healthy, stay clean, stay safe, and stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Thursday right here on the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Hey, hey, hey.